Jordan Harbinger is a recovering Wall Street lawyer turned podcaster. He's actually been podcasting for longer than we've had smartphones. So why would I ask him about vaccines? Well, I'm not. We'll get to that. His previous podcast and company focused on dating. But when he realized that the skills that they were teaching regarding the specific social interaction actually applied to other aspects of life, he pivoted his podcast, and now his podcast really applies to anyone interested in personal development. His expertise focuses more on entrepreneurship, networking, and social engineering. And that last one, social engineering, is the reason he's on the show today. The decision to vaccinate may seem straightforward to some, but if you're considering all of the knowns, unknowns, and unknowables, as many of the, our vaccine-hesitant patients tend to do, it can be inordinately complicated. As physicians, it should be our job to lighten the cognitive load of that decision. And he's going to help us make sure that we optimize any interaction with our families, friends, patients, and communities. His main point is that for many who are hesitant about the vaccine, they may just want to avoid making the decision that day at that time because it's easier to sit on the fence. So we need to clarify that by not getting the vaccine, they aren't deferring the decision but they're deciding not to get the vaccine. We also need to press upon them that given the scarcity of the vaccine, by deferring, it's unclear when they'll have access again. Welcome to the Physician's Guide to Doctoring, a practical guide for practicing physicians. Dr. Bradley Block interviews experts in and out of medicine to find out everything we should have been learning while we were memorizing Krebs cycle. The ideas expressed on this podcast are those of the interviewer and interviewee and do not represent those of their respective employers. And now, here's Dr. Bradley Block. Why pay Uncle Sam more money than you need to come tax time? Good news. You don't have to, but you might need some help from the experts. John McCarthy, a co-founder of the Physician Tax Advisors, and his team of CPAs have a combined total of over 60 years of experience helping physicians save money. They know around the time your taxes are due that it's added stress to your already full plate. Get the help you need and save money while you're at it with Physician Tax Advisors. This firm is physician family-owned and exclusively works with physicians to lower their tax bill. By specializing in physician finances, John and his team have helped many physicians with high student debt decide if they need to file their taxes as married, filing joint, or separately. We ran the numbers and know working with John just makes sense. Check them out at drpodcastnetwork.com slash CPA. That's drpodcastnetwork.com slash CPA. Jordan Harbinger, thanks so much for being on the podcast. Thanks for having me on, man. Yeah, this is a really important topic. So I'm glad to be able to throw my uh, possibly unqualified two cents in here. <laughs> All right, let's get into it. If we're a physician who's administering the vaccine or offering the vaccine, how do you recommend we even start that conversation? So, so let's say someone's coming in for something else. We're at the point where, where uh, you know, everyone who you know, was beating down the door for the vaccine is done. And now it's people are rolling in for other reasons and we want to offer them the vaccine. So how do we start that conversation? Do we start with, so, uh, want the vaccine and, or, or maybe something subtler like, so COVID, uh, huh? Yeah. Uh, awkward, right? Like, Hey, this is yeah. That COVID-19 stuff. Wouldn't want to get that. Uh, no, I think the the best way to persuade anybody of anything is always going to be pretty radical candor and transparency, right? It's going to be some authenticity involved here. 
I would, when patients come in, I would say, okay, so you're here for this, this, and this. Great. Uh, first and foremost, one of the most important things that we can do this year, are you vaccinated for COVID-19? Have you gotten the vaccine yet? And if they're like, well, I wanted to talk to you about that, then great. At least the door's open. But if they're like, well, not really, I'm not really into that, then you've got your work cut out for you, right? Um, I think the best thing that doctors can do, I know this would work uh, on me, and this is sort of a parenting technique, so any doctor with kids is going to be like, okay, I get it. The best thing that you can hear from an expert is that they're not just recommending it for you, but that they also have done it themselves. And I think where a lot of, as as an attorney, I know this firsthand, but I think also doctors sort of suffer from this as well. We're afraid to say anything definitive a lot of the time, especially lawyers, and we almost don't want to throw our own opinion in there other than what we know to be a fact, or, or we don't want to throw our own personal experience in there as well. So I've had great lawyers that have kind of terrible bedside manner. And they'll say something like, well, there are three things that can happen here. You know, nothing could happen or you could lose everything uh, and be poor and die alone. Or, you know, it could turn out fine. And it's like, oh my God, I could be poor and die alone. And then it's, you find out through conversations later on that there's like a 0.1% chance of that. And there's like a 99 plus percent chance of everything being fine or nothing happening. And you go, whoa, whoa, whoa. Why didn't you tell me this, right? So being as upfront as possible with it and saying things like, I, you know, for what it's worth, I've gotten vaccinated. My entire family has gotten vaccinated and I'm making damn sure that everybody I know, love, care about, uh, who, who I can possibly persuade or influence in any way is getting vaccinated. That's different than you should get vaccinated, right? Because what a bit of the narrative, and, I, and when you told me what you were going to ask me today, I did a little bit of research. One of the big narratives that I saw online was no doctors are going to get it, right? And like, oh, no healthcare workers are going to get it. As if you guys have a secret message board somewhere that nobody's ever actually been able to see or take a photo of where it says, hey, tell your patients to get this, but you know that you won't get it because it's full of microchips from Bill Gates, Right. So saying that you've gotten it and that you've given it to your families, yes, there's going to be some kooks who won't believe you, but there's going to be a lot of people who are on the fence who say, oh, okay, so you've gotten it. So you think it's safe. You think it's worth doing. And that's important because what you have to remember with persuasion is you're not going to be able to persuade people who have walked in quote unquote, knowing that this is all a mind control experiment from the lizard people to control our bodily, you know, to track our locations. Those people, think about it. The people who think that this is a vaccine that's going to track our locations and other things, they're carrying a smartphone and that's where they're usually reading this information, right? So these are people that think there's a microchip small enough to fit in your bloodstream that's going to do what? The exact same thing as they as the device they carry around all the time that they take to bed with them? Yeah, they're these walked not, in through the front door. They're not coming in through the back door. Yeah, they, right. they, like, we gave them all that information willingly. Exactly. So these are people that like don't even really think that far ahead and they're not reading the New York Times and the Wall Street Journal and books about health and they're not listening to the Jordan Harbinger show and they're not listening to the doctor, (laughs) the physician's guides and things like that. They're reading like freetexasblognet.org, right? They're reading those types of things, nothing against Texas, but they're reading these like fake news blogs where people who are just paid to make up crap to get clicks, that's where they're getting their news and they can't parse information sources. And that's important for for a couple of reasons. One of which is if they can't parse information sources and tell what's real news from fake news or just made up 
social media gobbledygook, they're not going to necessarily be able to say, my doctor knows more than the guy at the gas station who told me that COVID was a hoax, right? They're, they're not able to weigh sources in any sort of rational way. So we're not trying to convince those people that they should get their family vaccinated or that they should be vaccinated. We're trying to get the fence sitters. You know, we're trying to get yeah. the the neighbor who says, yeah, I don't know. I mean, my daughter-in-law says not to get it and she reads all this crazy stuff. But then my brother-in-law, he says to get it and he got it for his kids. So I just, I don't know. I'm going to ignore the problem and never think about it and then hopefully not die of COVID-19 even though I'm 72 and overweight, right? So like, we- those are the people we're trying to get. So we call them the vaccine hesitant, right? There's the mm-hmm. anti-vaxxers and, and you're right. Like they might, yeah, it's it's a losing, there's no point in engaging with them because it's going to get hostile real quickly. And then they may up destroying your Yelp reviews and trying to destroy your practice sure. or something like that, right? But but there's the, you're right, the fence sitters, the people that are hesitant and, and rightly so, right? But But we don't want to feed into their hesitancy. Like, do I have some hesitancy? I mean, I do and I don't, right, myself, but but I also see the equation a bit differently, right? My equation is COVID versus COVID vaccine. And mm-hmm. I would much rather get the vaccine than I would get the disease. So the decision, uh, although, you know, it's new, we don't know long-term effects, fine. Um, but it's, you know, the, the, the equation to me seems pretty clear. But there, there are other people to whom it's not so clear. And so let's say they answer you with something like, I want to do more research. And so ultimately, sometimes what that means is they're waiting until they know enough, but that enough moment might never come. That's exactly right. So I think it's important to answer their questions and concerns, but, you know, where do we even begin if their answer is just this carte blanche, I want to do more research? Like they don't have a specific concern or or maybe they do, and we're just having trouble getting it out of them. How do we how do we take that conversation in a productive direction without, you know, stepping in it? Sure, of course. And and the the difference here is, or the issue here is, that a lot of people who say I want to do more research, they're not necessarily they don't necessarily mean that. Some people do, and some people don't. You know, some people are going to go home and read up on it and Google it, and hopefully not run into a YouTube rabbit hole of of moronic BS, right? Hopefully they're not just going to call their kooky sister-in-law who says that it's got microchips in it from Bill Gates and it's made from aborted fetal cells and changes your DNA, right? Hopefully that's not what they're going to do. But for another huge portion of those people who quote unquote want to do more research, all that means is I don't want to think about this right now. So you have to address that concern. You know, you can say, okay, what, you know, what kind of research are you doing? Where are you looking at? I'm just talking to people, you know, looking on the internet they're not doing any research. In fact, most people who think they are doing research are still not doing any research. Research, as you know, as from medical school, is painstaking and requires sources. When people who are vaccine hesitant or even, and when any layman says they're doing research, all they mean is Google, right? Let's be clear here. They are not going to PubMed and reading that stuff. Right. But we don't want to call them out on that because then that's going to back them into a corner and embarrass them and alienate them from us. So that that's right. counterproductive. So we don't want to inform them that the research that they think they're doing is not actually research, right? They're not right. going over the data. And I will openly admit to my patients and actually tell me if this is a misstep that like, I don't have, I don't have the ability. I'm not an epidemiologist. I'm not a public health professional. I am not an immunologist. I can't, I don't have the ability to review 
the data to be able to tell, you know, what, what's going on. I have to trust the people that I trust. And I trust the NIH and I trust the FDA to be checking and double checking and triple checking to make sure that this is in the best interest of, of the American public and ultimately the world. But I, you know, I don't know if that's the right direction to take it, to basically saying, I'm not doing any research. I'm just relying on people that I trust. Right. Well, what I would do is focus instead on the underlying concern. Like, yes, it's true that you're relying on people that you trust. And these are people that often are loaded to the brim with anxiety, which is why people believe conspiracy theories in the first place. It's it's an anxiety and control issue. So we want to address the underlying issue. The conspiracy theory du jour has very little slash nothing to do with it. So we want to say, okay, why is it that you are, are, are hesitant about vaccines? I totally understand. Not, hey, why don't you get vaccinated? idiot, right? Like, we don't want to do that. We just say, why are you hesitant about the vaccine? Well, you know, you hear things and you read a lot and you go, yeah, I, I definitely hear that. You know, we've heard, heard both sides of the story. But what I've noticed is that uh, people who are experts in one area, people who have lifetimes of experience, they tend to lean one way and random people that seem to be anonymous on the internet lean another way. So you can you can sort of subtly undermine the sources and the research, but it really isn't going to be your number one argument. You know, what you, what we want to do here is make sure that we understand why they are actually hesitant. And, and a lot of it has to do more with the fact that they don't want to think about this and make a decision. And so the, the inaction is more comfortable. Unfortunately, here, the cost of inaction is really, really high. So death slash COVID. So what we want to do is focus on the cost of inaction. And you say, I, you know, I totally understand wanting to do more research. You know, for me, I did this, 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 and this, and I trust these experts like this. But also, you know, I realized that I was actually not necessarily waiting for more information. I was just anxious about whether or not I should get vaccinated. And it's hard to make a decision. So I buried my head in the sand for a while, right? That's a common persuasion technique where we sort of say, we don't say, I know exactly what you're thinking, A, B, C, and D. We just say, I was thinking about it like this. This is a sales technique, right? I used to think X, Y, Z. I used to think, gee, this vaccine got made pretty quickly and there's a lot of people saying stuff on the internet. And then I realized that all my expert friends and all these people that we've trusted for everything and have been right so many times about diseases uh, across the globe from different governments, not just from corporations, not just from uh, you know the United States, not just from pharma, pharma companies, they're all in agreement that we all need to get vaccinated and that you can die from this, you know, and that it's a big, big problem. And you can highlight the cost of inaction for yourself. You can say, so as soon as I started to, th to realize that a lot of people weren't going to get this, I realized that the safest thing me and my family could do is get vaccinated as soon as possible, because the sooner you get it, the more likely you are to not get COVID-19. And you don't want to be the last person to get vaccinated because the disease is still going to be around the general population and people who are unvaccinated are going to be especially vulnerable and it might even get stronger, right? You can say things like that. And then they'll be like, oh, okay. Now the cost of an action calculation in their head changes. It goes from, well, I just kind of want to go to McDonald's and not think about this right now, man. You know, like you're putting a lot of pressure on me. People have been asking me whether I'm going to do it. The internet says no. The doctor says yes. Eh, McMuffin's going to be delicious, right? That's what they're thinking. What we want is for them to say, Oh, okay. So I'm scared of the vaccine and I'm scared of what my sister-in-law is going to think, 
But what I'm really scared of is, wow, super COVID-21, this is bad. You know, uh, not being able to fight it off because the vaccine is is not as widely available. They're starting to run out, and I have the chance to get it right now. You know, you, you don't have to say there's a run on the stuff but I, I if it's a lie. But I think that there is going to be a supply problem, right, especially early on. So if people have the chance to get it, you definitely want to be in line for it. And we want to change the calculation of risk so that the cost of inaction in their head is actually much, much greater. And of course, even if they don't make a decision in the moment, what we want to do as providers, and I say we, even though I am not a provider, but what I would do if I were a provider is there's got to be easy notification systems for providers like text messaging and things that marketers use that can remind people who are unvaccinated to come in and get the vaccine. Right. And, you know, you probably wouldn't want to call all of your patients, but certainly email or better text messaging is probably a better way to do that. And that's the type of thing that gets people from burying their head in the sand. Right. Because even if they don't make a decision, even if the cost of an action calculation in their head is much greater, they may still go home and turn on Matlock and, you know, not think about it. But if they're getting texted every week, hey, you know, you're still unvaccinated. Right time to come in and get your vaccine, you know, these types of things like turns out COVID cases are on the rise, you know, don't, don't worry about this anymore. And once you get vaccinated, you want to constantly or consistently, I should say, remind them that the risk calculation that they made before or that they were avoiding making before is increasing and not decreasing. Because right now it's their fear that is keeping them away from the vaccine. So what we want is their fear to push them towards the vaccine. Right. If, if logic's not going to do it, it has to be the thing that's motivating them, which is fear. So we actually have to <laughs> we have to outdo their fear, their current fear of getting the vaccine and make it scarier to not get it. That's that's interesting that you, you put it that way. That's that reminds me of B.J. Fogg, mm-hmm. you know, behavior equals motivation, ability and a prompt. So what you're saying is the prompt. So keep bringing the prompt. So they're prompted to get the vaccine, prompt, 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 until finally they have that, the motivation, the ability at the same time. And uh, and then the prompt happens and then they'll they'll get the vaccine. So the more prompts that occur, the more likely that behavior is going to happen. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And you can even use market. I don't know what the ethics are of doing this in, in a medical context, but you can use things like, you could use marketing techniques like scarcity saying, yeah. hey, we just got a new shipment of vaccines in. We have you know, a limited number. If you haven't been vaccinated yet, now's a great time to make your appointment. First come, first serve. And then they're going, oh, mm, I wasn't really thinking about this, but then I thought maybe I would. And now I realize they only have, well, how many, what's a limited quantity mean? Does that only mean a hundred doses? I better call. I better call today, right? That's the kind of thing that we want to use. And again, I'm not sure of the ethics in medicine about doing that. It seems like it should be legit because it is a vaccine. It's not a well, cosmetic procedure also, or something. It's also honest. It is right? honest. Like right now, it's it's in limited supply. It is like people are clamoring for this. And so it, it's, I don't, I don't think, I think the unethical part would be if we continue to limit the supply in order to take advantage of the scarcity sales tactic. That would be completely unethical. But right now, that's a real thing. And so, you know, letting people know, I, I also think that that's not necessarily going to happen because it's going to it's going to get rolled out in a very, hopefully, methodical and specific mm-hmm. way, right? Healthcare workers, uh, nursing homes, skilled nursing facilities, and then, you know, and then other institutions, and then, um, 
you know, by age, reverse, you know, reverse age orders, you know, so they're, they're going to have a system for doing it, but they're also going to be people who, who fall into that, you know, like when it's your time to board an airline and they're like, oh, rows 30 and up and you're in row 40 and you're like, mm, uh, I'm going to hang out here a little longer. And then, mm-hmm. you you know, so as long as you, you continue, you can continue to prompt them and, and let them know, you know, the, the, just being realistic about the availability, being realistic about the availability, because right now there is scarcity could lead to some people who are more hesitant um, to to take advantage of it. Exactly. Now, now speaking of BJ Fogg, you mentioned the prompt. There's also ability, right, as part of that same equation. And and BJ Fogg is an episode of the Jordan Harbinger show that maybe you can link or something like that that talks about habits and motivation. Yeah. But um, the ability can also be a part of the messaging, right? That those same texts or whatever, email communication, whatever it is that you decide to use for your patients that are unvaccinated, or if you have a smaller practice, the phone, you can say, hey, it just takes 10 to 15 minutes, make your appointment anytime, right? And then you've got people that go, oh, I don't have 90 minutes to sit in the waiting room and there's sick people in there. It's a great way to get sick. It's like, hey, this is just going to take a little bit. You can come in during your lunch hour and just get jabbed, boom, done, real fast. That shows you, hey, I can make an appointment on short notice. It's not going to take a lot of time. I don't need to plan for it. The risk is low, right? You want to take the objections off of the table. And one of those objections is always going to be time. Of course, money is the other one, right? So I assume it's going to be affordable. You don't have any control over that as a practitioner, so you can kind of forget it, right? It's going to be time. It's going to be risk. So we want to prompt them. We want to show them that it's easy, that it's going to be um, super important as well, and make sure that they cannot forget about it. Because the biggest defense mechanism that vaccine-hesitant folks have is not them going back and forth, hemming and hawing, looking at the latest research. It's them going, ugh, I don't want to think about this. I'm going to Whole Foods. I have no dinner, you know, nothing for dinner. That's the biggest enemy, right? This sort of distract, I'll think about it later. You know, I don't want to do that. Let's order Thai food. I can't think about that right now. I'm too tired. That's the enemy, right? Procrastination in all forms. So if we're consistently chatting with our patients about this and we make it so that they cannot forget and that they also know that it becomes really easy to make the pain stop, right? The texts and the, I keep getting reminded of this and I get stressed out every Friday. I'm fine. I'll do it. Just stop, stop reminding me of the the potential consequences of this, you know? And that I think is really kind of all we can do with a lot of the vaccine hesitant. And we got to remember that we only need 60%, which is also a huge number, but we need 60% of the population to achieve herd immunity more or less, right? Or vaccine, the, the vaccination immunity that you get. I don't know. Do they still call that herd immunity if it's from vaccination and not from infection? Yeah, absolutely. It's absolutely okay. herd immunity. So we, we still need, you know, we can still achieve herd immunity. And what that's going to do is eventually some of these same hesitant folks are going to go, everybody I know pretty much has gotten vaccinated and they're still alive and kicking and fine. And even if one person had an adverse reaction and they got like hives, you know, the adverse reactions have not been that bad from this vaccine. I I read about it before the show. It's really, really looking good for that. Yes, there's going to be crazy news media stuff, but once people have personal friends and family that have gotten vaccinated and they aren't the statistics that they're reading about on, you know, IllinoisFreedomBlog.org, right? These people are going to start to come around and we're going to start to see herd immunity. And as for the people that flat out refuse it because the lizard people created it and they don't want their location tracked by Bill Gates and the Illuminati, we can't do much for those people. And we, in my opinion, 
probably shouldn't even be thinking about how to persuade them because again, we're dealing with control and anxiety and other mental illness when it comes to those folks. It's yeah. not just people who don't understand how vaccines work, you know? Well, when the, when the vaccine, when the more people are getting it, there's going to be this, there's this background noise of illnesses that people get all the time, every day anyway, right? Like people get, people have heart attacks, people have strokes, people get, you know, there's, there were a couple of cases of Bell's palsy and I, and I think the Pfizer trial, maybe it was Moderna. Um, and I'm not sure whether that's from the vaccine or whether that's just a certain number of people get Bell's palsy every day, right? Mm -hmm. So yeah. there are going to be some some of these anecdotal stories where someone got the vaccine and then something happened. They got the vaccine, and then they get in a car accident. They got the vaccine and then something happened. So, so let's say they come to us with that story, right? Like I know someone who got the vaccine and then the day after their mother died, right? Mm -hmm. Like, and we, we, we don't think that it's related, but they're convinced that it is. Is there any way to get them out of that place or at least nudge them a little in the right direction? So we're talking about something that sounds like a logic issue, but it's an emotion issue, right? Yeah. It just means that they're still hesitant. They're still a little bit scared. They're not thinking, well, if this person got it and then got eaten by a shark when they went surfing next Friday or the following Friday, it's probably because the vaccine attracts sharks. Right? No, You're but, but I was, like I was that. joking, but I mean like I'm a heart attack, like someone got a heart attack or someone got the flu or someone got some other illness that, that we know is not from the vaccine because it's... It's just not right. You know, right. Not, so, so it's not a what thing. I, right. What I'm saying is, you can't really out logic this, right? If we yeah. if we wanted to out logic this, we would say something like, "Wow, that you know that does sound bad." Well, it's our we can't show that this is causal, and then you have to explain what causation correlation, you know, the, yeah. the difference between causation and correlation to somebody who thinks that, you know, these ridiculous things follow from one another, they're, they're just going to turn off. So what we actually have to do is address the underlying emotional issue, which is again, that they don't want to make the decision because they feel that fence sitting is safer. And yeah. once we address that issue, then, you know, we have a different calculation entirely. We're really just talking about why they don't feel safe or if they don't feel safe. And for many people, that lack of safety is something that they can talk with somebody they trust, hopefully their doctor, about this. Because most people aren't listening to them, right? And a lot of times people just need someone to listen. Now, again, if they again if they have that anxiety or that sort of other type of I need therapy issue with the anxiety and control, that's something that's outside your purview and you're not going to be able to, to handle that because all the logic in the world, all the sales techniques in the world aren't necessarily going to help somebody if they have an anxiety control issue. Those are the same people that believe in things like flat earth and QAnon and stuff like right. this, right? So you're not going to be able to address that with those folks. What you're trying to do or what we are going to be trying to do with this is just show that they have to make a positive decision on it and that the odds of whatever it is that they are afraid of are small. And you don't do that through logic. You do that through emotional persuasion. And what you do is you have to relax these people, right? You have to make sure that you've got trust and rapport with them. So that all comes down to your relationship with this patient in the first place, right? I've had bad relationships with doctors that I just thought were absolute idiots because they screwed up prescriptions over and over again. They diagnosed things so weird that made no sense. And I'd go and Google it and there'd be like zero indicators of what they said. And I'd go get a second opinion. And the second doctor who's older and more experienced would say, are you kidding me? This Get a new doctor immediately. Right. And I've, I've, I've had bad impressions of doctors even recently. There was a, I'm 40 and probably when I was 36, 
I went to a doctor and she gave me a prescription for blood pressure medication because, and I didn't have high blood pressure, by the way. I had like the beginning of it or, or something. And I went to another doctor and he goes, yeah, look, you should definitely not be taking these. Stop taking them immediately. And you should probably lose like five or 10 pounds because you're, you're just naturally susceptible to this. I lost the weight and my blood pressure went down and he went, yeah, that's exactly what I would have expected. And he said, what, what, what's going on with the other doctor? And I said, I, I, I didn't, I never went back. Right. Cause this is somebody who, that had, a, I had a bad experience with them. So you want to make sure that your relationship with your patients, the rapport you have is good. You want them to be able to trust you and open up to you about their concerns. And the, that's a different show entirely. But one of the ways that we want to make sure we're doing this is we want to make sure that we are, and this I'll sort of leave you with this, is that we are not judgmental when people bring us the dumbest of concerns about getting vaccinated, right? You may actually have someone come in and go, I don't know, maybe there are microchips in here. You know, maybe there are tracker things in here. And I don't really understand that. And my grandpa and grandma are telling me about this. And I, I don't think it's true, but I don't really know why. What we don't want to do is go, oh, come on, Jonah. I thought you were smarter than that. Didn't you go to college? Your grandparents are morons and they watch the 700 Club every day. They don't know what they're talking about. Come on, you need to get vaccinated. Join the 21st century. That's not really going to help, even if that's what we're thinking at the time, right? What we want to do is sort of acknowledge this, tell them that we understand why they have gotten that concern because they're exposed to that kind of misinformation, but that, again, you've got it, your family's got it, you're telling everyone that you know that they should get it, and if you were in their shoes, you would be jumping at the chance to get it and that you'll do it for them right then and there. And if people have other questions like, how does it work? Are you sure there's no microchips in it? You can assuage their concerns that way because even though you're not a virologist or whatever, or an epidemiologist, you can tell them some basic facts about the vaccine. And I assume you guys are getting pamphlets. Familiar, familiarize yourself with those as well. And uh, look at the show with Jennifer, Dr. Jennifer Kasten on the Physician's Guide to Doctoring for more physician questions answered about the vaccine. So yeah, we're, 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 we're covering that on the show and Good. on plenty of other physician podcasts ad nauseum. So yeah, there's not, uh, there's a, there's an abundance of information out there. Good. Because I, I was said, I was going to leave you the other thing, but I will leave you with this instead. One thing that I found that is not great, uh, not a great look for doctors is when doctors know less about something than the patient. Now, the problem is the people who know Jack all about the vaccine, those are the people that come in and go, yeah, there's there's crazy whatever's in there, right? It's caused by 5G. Corona's caused by 5G. They think they know more. So you're always going to run into that problem, especially with the crazies. But with the non-crazies, right, and the hesitant and the, and the worriers, what you want to make darn sure of is that they don't actually know something about it that you don't that is true. You know, if I say something like, well, you know, this says that it's 90% effective and they really fast track these, you don't want somebody in your office to say they didn't fast track it. All vaccines take, I don't know, what's it been, a year or something. It just takes a long time to set up the marketing. And then someone goes, no, this is like a 10-year-long process with the trials and everything. The fact that you don't know this, I don't know if I trust the other things that you are saying now. And yeah. again, remember, we're not trying to persuade the crazies. We're trying to persuade the people who came in with more or less an open mind, but just some hesitation. Yeah, the reason that it didn't take that long to approve the vaccine was because so many people were exposed to it and so many people got it. So the fact that it's so rampant in America was the reason that it actually didn't take that long for the uh, 
for the vaccine to to prove that it worked, which is like an unfortunate consequence. Wow. So what you're saying is anti-maskers have saved all of us from COVID potentially. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, they've Mm. taken a lot of people out in the interim, but uh, yeah, a little collateral damage. uh, Yeah. Yeah. But that that was the that was the reason that it didn't take that long to uh, to end up getting approved. So pretty. uh, Pretty That's scary. a relief for me too, because yeah. of course I'm thinking, really? They just all it was was cut the FDA red tape, and we went from, you know, we cut down ninety percent of the time involved, and that's what scares a lot of people, right? Do you want to be first in line for something that hasn't been tested on a lot of folks? And I think what people need to know is, no, no, it's been tested on a lot of folks, and a lot of people got COVID. We're very familiar with this because because of all these people who weren't careful, uh, and it's only a matter of time, right? I think we had like thousands of cases in my county alone yesterday or today so or any day this week for that matter so yeah those types of arguments are persuasive for people who are thinking logically and are just a little worried and if even if they're not thinking logically again we want to show that we understand we're familiar with their concerns uh we've evaluated it we have trust in the in the process and the people and uh and that should help Uh, because i i too like you worry that a huge number of people aren't going to get the vaccine. And most of them are not crazy. Most of them just don't want to make a decision because they're afraid. Wow, that's uh, that, that really gives us a great perspective on how we can manage these conversations a lot more efficiently. So make sure that we, we verbalize what we think is their hesitancy by putting ourselves in their shoes and saying that we were hesitant, but we are doing it for these reasons. And then, and that'll help them to make that decision. It really made things a lot clearer for me in terms of being able to understand the indecision. The indecision is just not wanting to make the decision. So just let them know, listen, if by not making a decision, you are actually making a decision and you're putting yourself at higher risk. And and these are the terrible things that we've seen happen because of it. So uh, fantastic. That, that'll that help us manage a lot of these, what would have been more nebulous conversations and help us get to the point a lot faster and a lot more effectively. So I really appreciate you taking the time to talk to us. Everybody can find you at jordanharbinger.com and check out your podcast, which was, you know, as I said in the intro, the inspiration for, for this podcast. So everyone should definitely check it out. And uh, Jordan, thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much. Before you go, just a reminder to reach out to John McCarthy and the team at Physician Tax Advisors before you set out to handle your taxes this year. Taxes are complicated enough, so leave it to the professionals. Go to drpodcastnetwork.com slash CPA to get help today. That was Dr. Bradley Block at the Physician's Guide to Doctoring. He can be found at physiciansguidetodoctoring.com or wherever you get your podcasts. If you have a question for a previous guest or have an idea for a future episode, send a comment on the webpage. Also, please be sure to leave a five-star review on your preferred podcast platform. We'll see you next time on The Physician's Guide to Doctoring.